Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to Achtung Lowell, broadcasting from the beautiful South Birmingham. Accept no substitute. Hello, dear listeners. Well, I said that I wouldn't be around for a little while, didn't I? But you must always take my word for a pinch of salt because here I am within a week of signing off for the, for the close season with my trusted colleague, Mr. Ryan Loftus. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Good afternoon, Nick. Um, I, I thought you'd get the bug sooner rather than later. You can never, <laughs> you can never stay away from it for too long. Well, I'm, I'm dwelling in the past. I, you know, the, the close season back when I was a kid used to have like a three-month period of nothing. It was like, you know, the purgatory for three months, or at least two months, when no, there was not even any mention in the, any of the local papers. But now this is a highly condensed uh, close season. So suddenly we've gone from the end of 2019-20, the strangest season ever known, and we're uh, straight into the you know, the pandemonium of, of, of the transfer market. And also, I believe, I'm on a side note entirely, that it's quite a busy month for football, August, isn't it? There's, there's Champions League football, I believe. and, and um, Champions League, Europa League, yeah. Europe, uh, the European Cup. and, and all, uh, Champions League. I can't you calling it European Cup, listeners. Forgive me. I'm old. But we speak of Millwall matters, dear listeners. And this has been a busy old week, Ryan. Um, number one on my list of... Um, a done deal, done deal I've put here in the Sky TV man. Ryan Woods signs on a season-long loan for the Lions from Stoke City. That was almost on day one of the um, of the of, of the summertime's close season. Um, great business, great yeah, player. really, really good business. Really early as well, which is a good sign. Obviously, they won't have long. I think it was the day the transfer window opened. I think it was announced, or maybe the day after. Um, it was something that Rowett was kind of hinting at. The whole the whole time towards the end of the season that Woods wanted to stay. Yeah. The good thing with the deal as well, I think it takes him to his end of his contract at Stoke. So okay, you know, two years or a year and a half at Millwall, and uh, if it's going well, I don't understand why you wouldn't then pick him up on a free and to pick someone you know who went to Stoke for eight million pounds on a free, especially after the impact he's had is um, I mean that's just that would be phenomenal business. I remember I tweeted out when um when the deal was announced that he. He's just not the sort of player Millwall would get. He's just okay. not um, the sort of midfielder we'd have or the sort of player who'd really be interested in coming to Millwall. And and I'm, like, Millwall. I'm actually quoting you here on our list. And this is, this is high. This is the ultimate moment in anyone's life when they get quoted in their own show. Um, the sort of player you've put that top teams have running their midfield. I mean, that's that's a high compliment. You're paying him there, Ryan. I, I, 
I, I think, um, I mean, he really came good, didn't he? I, I was a bit of a doubter, I will confess. You know I was a bit of a doubter initially, but by the end of that um, restart season, that little mini season we just had, you could really see the potential of Ryan Woods. Yeah, I think it's, it's. I understand anyone's doubts that they had about him. Like, you know, any player coming from a bad situation in Stoke, um, or in any club, not necessarily Stoke, I mean, um, you know, it, it does cause some doubts if, about attitude, about mentality, things like that. And they're, they're very big things that we pride on. All players with bad attitudes really don't get much in return when they come to the den. But I think his early start, I thought I thought he did make an impact pretty early on. But he mentioned the, in his interview after he signed about he wasn't fully fit, you know, when he came yeah. in. He hadn't played yeah, a lot yeah. of football in a year. He really hadn't played much in that. For a midfielder who is at the base of a midfield dictating the game, that rhythm and that tempo, is a big part of it. So that match fitness rather than just as a winger or a striker sprinting, running into the channels, but that just match rhythm and your sharpness of vision and things like that takes a little bit of time to get back, but you can see why Stoke paid so much for him. I think already in terms of the games where he just, just been able to dictate. I mean, that first half he had against Charlton where he just sat deep and controlled literally everything that shows what he's about. And I think with a, with a player like Ryan Woods in there, it's, he's someone that Millwall can build a side around and he can be at the base of the midfield he can be the pivot in a with our back five and it's, it's just very promising signs about where Rowett wants to take this team and the style of football I mean, it was interesting obviously we're speaking on the Friday morning after Cardiff City went out of the playoffs last night with Neil Harris playing a form of the fairly direct style that I think he built um, and built a squad for at the start of the of the campaign of the, the campaign that's just finished but I think Rowett's coming with a slightly different vision, Ryan, and 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 has you know has been slightly um, trying to 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 to, to make a, a silk purse from in some cases um, not quite pig's ears, but you know what I mean. The analogy that he's trying to use a, a Neil Harris squad to play Gary Rowett football, and Ryan Woods, I think, is the kind of player that needs other good, intelligent players around him to make him look you know look the part. And I think when he first came to us, I just think there was a slight sense of. <clears throat> and trying to fit a square peg into a slightly round hole, you know, but as it's gone along, he's really, really shone through, I feel. Yeah, um, that, that, that style point is a, a really big point, I think, because Millwall is a traditional style of side. We have, we play 4-4-2. We did under Kenny Jacket for the whole time he was here. Um, and then under Harris as well. I know Harris kind of changed it a little bit towards the end, but it was very much 4-4-2 or the players for 4-4-2 and, getting balls in the box. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's no right or wrong way to play football. As long as no, no, no. Far from it. But um, I think, like you say, that change of style, something to, to try and do that, especially to get the buy-in from the fans, is a big, big job on um, Rowett's hands. And I think, I was, I was, you know, looking into some of Millwall's end-of-season stats and things just to kind of get a gauge of where the side are. And interestingly, Millwall had the lowest average possession in the league. We had 42.2% was our average percent um, possession per game. Yeah. And it was that's just under Cardiff in second, and surprisingly with Neil Warnock and Neil Harris had taken over. So, and but what's interesting when you look at that is Mill's passing has very much reduced from just a long ball style, whereas Cardiff is still pretty high up there for the numbers of long balls they're playing. Mill have really reduced since Rowett's come in. So even though we're we're having less possession, that's not because we're getting it and knocking it long. Like we're we're sitting off, we're letting teams. We we're very good at like blocking up the middle of the pitch and obviously our defensive record speaks for itself but yes it does yeah he's changing us in terms 
terms of how we attack. We're, you know, it's a lot more fluid counterattacks. You've got Romeo, Jed, Bennett, those players running on the ball and running at defences. So Rowe, obviously, he needs someone like Woods in there to slot him into the middle and just give Millwall that foothold in the game. In home games where we've struggled, we I mean, we have struggled at home this season. It's not really a, a secret, but because teams just sit off of us and we really struggle to break sides down. So have Woods, to have Woods in there as someone who can dictate games and give me all a stronger foothold in the game and let us take over and, you know, advance towards a side that is happier in possession and more confident in possession is, um, that's a big step. Yeah. I mean, there's always been this, 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 um, I don't know if it's a, a myth or a feeling or it's almost become one of those, um, you know, truths that no one questions that Millwall fans only want direct 4-4-2 style football where it's uh, the football's played in the opposition's final third. I, you know, I, I like I like to see um, an exciting game of football. I mean, whether that involves your traditional 4-4-2, whether it involves some other variation, um, you know, at the end of the day, you want to see winning football played well, don't you? Um, yeah. Played with some style and skill. And... I, I, I think he's piecing together a jigsaw here because we'll come on shortly to um, the other big transfer news story of the week, or loan story at least, with the you know the possibility of Troy Parrott from Tottenham coming in, and um, you know to build a, a, a side based around skill, power, and pace is as much a Millwall. Um, a trait, if you like. I mean, the thing that the great players of the past, and I go back a long way, as you know, Ryan, you know, they're all players of skill, power and pace, you know, and often not given the credit for, for how good they were. Yeah. So I like what I'm seeing. You know, it's, yeah. it's a real buzz about the place at the moment. Definitely. I think Millwall won't ever, not won't ever be, you know, because they never said ever, but given our budget and our stature in the league in terms of wage spend and things like that, we are punching above our weight. And I think it will be, a bit far-fetched to think Millwall would be anything really other than a counter-attacking side. We're going to be, you know, that we're going to be the side that sits off and picks teams off on the break. But it's about building a squad for that. And there's also different ways of counter-attacking. Counter-attacking, you know, doesn't knock it, isn't about knocking it long and uh, hit the channels. It's, you know, Man City and Liverpool are two of the best counter-attacking sides in the league because, yeah. Yeah. you know, three passes and they're in. So, and I think that's what you've seen with Millwall. Like, we're sitting off really well and I'd Defence is just as solid as any in the league. So it's just about adding that quality who can really hit on a break, who make good decisions. And I think Woods is someone who's good for that, just winning the ball back and releasing a pass early. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's slowly changing the style, not necessarily how we will play. And I think that, that is a, that's an impressive job that Rowett is looking to start to do. You're listening to Achtung Millwall. Excellent. So Ryan Woods signs on a season-long loan, listeners, and there's a possibility that he's out of contract at the end of 2021. And who knows what will happen from there or where we'll all be. And on that subject, Ryan Loftus, we are all itching. I fell for a lemon last night. Did you see my tweet where someone, some fake phony account put out that Troy Parrott, the deal was done? Um, and it was actually a fake account, so I apologise to anyone who got overexcited over my um, early, early, um, early excitement on this. But this this kid Troy Parrott seems to be a real prospect, and there's a lot of excitement around the place over the. Um, it seems to be a strong possibility that he's going to sign for a year's loan for us. Are you excited by him? Does he uh, does he does he does he fit into your your world? 
Yeah, well, I did see your your um your 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 foot failing online. I think I think maybe that's the reason behind some of those Barclay adverts you get about uh, being wary about being scammed for the for the older generation. I think it's very easily done. A quick fake Twitter account that could have been your bank details. Nick. So no one ring me up about pension advice. Yeah, right? You've really you've really got to, you've really got to be on the ball with what you see online these days, Nick. Um, but no, for me, Troy Parrott is what's really exciting about that, and from from everything that's coming out it looks like he is on his way. Um, it's pretty, I think it's pretty much done and that we're just expecting the announcement. And I think other than Mason Greenwood, who obviously is now really excelling in the Man United first team, he's probably yeah. the um, up and coming young striker prospect in the Premier League. And to have someone like that come to Millwall is really, really exciting. He was the, the top scorer in the UEFA Youth League um, the kind of the, 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 the one that runs alongside the Champions League for the, for the under-23s. The top scorer in that, and he is a, a really gifted player. He, he has been touted kind of quite rightly as Harry Kane's understudy. He's, he's quite a similar player in terms of his work rate and work ethic. Um, he likes to get on the ball. He likes to run at people. He likes to shoot, but he likes to drop back and do defensive work. He's versatile, can play across the front three. And... He is a really, really strong finisher. And I think, again, like we're saying with the Woods deal, it's a real testament that he's coming to Mill. I'm just reading here online that apparently in the Independent, they've reported that he, to join Mill, he's rejected Celtic, Preston, Swansea, Stoke and Bournemouth. Right. And that is, you know, that is a lot of teams in there that should, that Mill wouldn't get. This is, again, the sort of, Mill, Mill used to have a good few lone players in. We used to do the loan market quite well, I thought, under Kenny Jacket, especially. Obviously, when we got Harry Kane on loan before, but you have to remember, despite the player that he's gone on to become, Harry Kane was never the next big thing of English football. He was very much uh, an outsider, and his rise to the top after rejoining Tottenham was somewhat of a surprise. His, his loans at Leicester and Norwich after Millwall were really big yeah. failures. Yeah. But yeah. Troy Parrott is not that. He is someone who... Is really tipped up, and I think it speaks about Millwall's environment. Apparently, Rich Corley reported this morning that we've been working on this deal since February. So yep. Yep. it speaks about what Millwall are doing. But the the obviously recommendations we've got from Jason Malumbi, who is, I mean, he was a fan favourite the day he joined because of his interview. He was a fan favourite even more because of his performances through the season. And he was a fan favourite now, if ever I've seen one. If there's ever a player who <laughs> was a lone player who played for a season, I don't think there's any other Millwall player now that would receive as much love as Jason Malumbi for playing at Millwall for a season. Um, his role apparently played a big role in speaking to Troy. Obviously, he's his under-21s captain with Ireland about speaking to him and about um, coming to Millwall and the benefit will be. And it's that's just a really, really exciting signing to have someone like that. Obviously, it's not a dead cert in terms of will he be good at the championship because he is 18. He is finding his trade. I think he needs to learn a little bit of discipline. But I think Rao is a great coach to instill that. And these top low, these top level Premier League loanees are ones that Mill just, especially over the last few seasons, just haven't got and wouldn't get. I think Premier League clubs, especially under Harris, would be incredibly wary of sending players to Mill because of the style we play. Yeah. But again, that, that change of style just... Um, Obviously, under Mourinho, maybe it's a bit different because Tottenham style isn't so great anymore. But it just speaks to what, again, the, 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 the strides Mill have come on under Rowett and the pull that we have in the game. 
it's um it's a really big signing and I think he he hopefully if he hits the ground running it could be a very big season for him absolutely I mean there's a lot of YouTube um footage I'm sure listeners have looked already I, I looked this morning before speaking to Ryan and there's a really interesting scout um, I think it's called Scout Hub, and it's got like a, a sequence of um, goal scoring, a splurge of goal scoring, a splurge of assists, and a splurge of dribbles, just to illustrate the various skills that the the, the boy has. And they 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 give a like a, an initial assessment. So they're, they're they're saying his strengths are work rate, finishing, set pieces, his strength and his pace, all good attributes. The the weaknesses, um, such as they may be, I mean, they're, they're saying decision-making. Some of the finishing he was making looked like he knows what he's doing when it comes to <laughs> having a shot. Positioning, again, ditto, because, I mean, you've got to be in position to take these chances. These, they're saying that decision-making, positioning mm. can be a weakness, listeners. His stamina, I would... He's 18, I mean, yeah. you know, and full match fitness. He's 18. Yeah, he'll have plenty of stamina if he starts getting some goals. Yeah, um, well, he'll learn his think, positioning quite quickly. If, he, yeah. if The then crowd will help well, him on I that. Think, <laughs> the um, the decision-making one probably is flagged up there. I was, I was reading something, um, I think a Tottenham blogger put out earlier in the season, when because um, obviously there was a big... When, when Jose Mourinho when Harry Kane was injured and he was playing Lucas Moura and Deli Ali as the striker, there was a big clamour for him to give Troy Parrott a start and he just wouldn't. But um, someone did like a bit of comparison with Harry Kane. And I think the decision-making was, I think the, the, their stats were incredibly similar in terms of shots, the fouls they're drawing, dribbles. But I think Troy Parrott was taking maybe like 1.6 more shots than Harry Kane per game. And Harry Kane is someone who takes a lot of shots um, as a lot of people will know, yeah. But I think that maybe his decision making there—he's a bit over eager. But I think in a in a in a men's dressing room and uh, in a men's changing room and a men's team with a manager like Gary Rowett, those are decisions you have to learn. And I think it's not surprising that a 17-year-old, 18-year-old wants to get on the ball and get a shot off. But as you become more professional, that's when that that, that becomes your—you know—that's where your decisions. That's where you learn your decisions from playing games at a top level. You know, he hasn't been out on loan before. This will be, like Jason Lumby, his first season at senior level. Um, and it'll be, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how he does once the dealers across the line, of course. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a, a piece by, a, 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 I think he's a Tottenham journo, football.london journo, Alistair Gold. And he's also on YouTube. He does a, a vlog on there. And I was just listening to that before speaking to Ryan, but he's written this. He says, Millwall is a great loan move for Troy Parrott, a club that will be hungry next season to improve on this year. And the championship will be a tough but perfect classroom for, for Troy. A certain Harry Kane learned his trade that way and staying in London enables Spurs to keep a close eye on his progress. So you can see, um, you can see there's a lot in it for both sides, which is fantastic. I, f I find it quite interesting that we're seen as this kind of... Um, machismo finishing school where you learn discipline and the tough the, the, the old traditional virtues of the game you know um rather than perhaps possibly the more overindulgent um premier league kind of um you know uh proving grounds that he might have gone to so mm. more uh, more power to us you know i mean if we can pull this yeah. deal off and it's not done we I'm itching to to we're follow the information. We are waiting it. Um, I think um, there is some fanciful hope that I, I don't know if it has any ground or anything, but that Troy Parrot will be announced in our in our new away kit, and he will bring her with him, Jason Malumbi. <laughs> but uh, I'm not sure how much truth there is in that. But I mean, if if in the next 12 hours um, we get a tweet from Mill and it is Troy Parrot sitting alongside Jason Malumbi, 
in a beautiful new husky chocolate awake it, then I'll be very, very happy indeed. This is this is an in, <clears throat> this is a dream insight into what goes on in Ryan's mind overnight. This is the kind of this is what the hot evenings and the fevered kind of atmosphere does to him. Um, fantastic stuff if this comes to pass. As I say, we are waiting for confirmation. So you know, fingers crossed and everything else crossed. For Troy Parrott, he really does look the part. Listen, check him out on on YouTube. It's there's loads and loads of stuff on there, including. Uh, including playing in the, uh, it must be a pre-season friendly for Spurs versus Juventus so um, you know not many Mill players apart from Abu Fafana I remember was another Juve player but not many not many Mill players ever get the uh, name Juventus in the same sentence as, uh, as Millwall but there we are um, the other deal that's uh, there's a report on the news at Den Ryan that we're cooking up on two deals I presume one being the Troy Parrott um, mm. you know deal the other one being Kiefer Moore uh, and I'm questioning the second piece in Rowett's Jigsaw um, he's playing his cards close to his chest, as news, news at Den says. Um, we seem to be in for Kiefer Moore. Does he, does, how does he fit into your vision of a front line? Is that the kind of plan we need up front, do you think? Um, I really like him. The, the, the last that I've heard is that Cardiff looks set to land him, okay. which I think may become a, 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 a familiar trope with uh, Neil Harris's links there. He, he's going to have kind of the same... Um, yeah interest as we might but I mean there's a lot of teams in the championship going for Kiefer Moore I think QPR were the first to get a bid in but I mean if we, if we could land him he'd be I think he'd probably again break our record sale which I wouldn't be surprised if we do a couple times this transfer window he he is a good player I really like Kiefer Moore he's um he he really did well this latter stages of this season he took a while to get going with Wigan he but when you watch him say for Wales when he's obviously surrounded by a lot better players in yeah, uh, yeah, around yeah. Gareth Bale players like that they'll make anyone better but even in the young side he leads the line really well he he's a, a very mobile target now where we've obviously got Matt Smith this season who is very much put it on a plate for him and he'll put him away but Kiefer Moore is one who will move and will get around and make his weight known. I know when, when, we'll, when we'll play big and both times this season, I don't think we beat them either time, did we? I think we, we drew and lost. Mm. He really caused Hutchinson and Cooper trouble. And he peeled off onto Romeo and won headers that way. He's very much a supply man. So what, although he might not be a 25-goal-a-season striker, he is a very good supply man in, in the target mold. A bit like Steve Morrison in his last yeah, year. Yeah, creates situations. How, yeah, yeah. How he works with, how Morrison worked with Gregory Kiefer Moore, I think, is that sort of mould. And he will get goals as well. Good finisher. But, uh, yeah, it will be, be interesting to see if that one gets over the line. Again, it, that is going to be a matter of wages, I think, with the amount of teams that are in for him. Cardiff obviously have a lot more money than Mill will do. So if they can offer him, you know, five or six, seven grand more than we can, um, I reckon he'll likely go there. But it'll be interesting to see if we do if we do get to the end of that one. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You're listening to Achtung Millwall. Yeah, interesting times. I mean, obviously, um, the forward line, scoring goals has been an area to that Gary Rowett and everyone else uh, around the club is identified as an area to improve. You've been looking into a few areas yourself. I mean, when we spoke before, Ryan, you identified midfield and get the kind of full, the supplier into the strikers as being a major concern. I guess with Ryan Woods coming in now, that's kind of a step in the right direction for you. Um, no, we haven't heard much about Mason Bennett or, you know, that there seems to be a... a you know, kind of a, a radio silence on that side of things. Um, where else would you be looking? Would you, would you be looking around the squad in any particular zones for, for areas yeah. for improvement? So for me, it's, um, I think, the one one of the issues, there's a few different issues that we will have that um, we need to look at for the summer. Obviously, the goals is the main one mm. for obvious reasons that we barely scored any goals last season. Um that I, know, that I know a lot of people want to, you know, to go out and get a 20-goal-a-season striker and they will be great and that will solve all our problems. But if you look at Mill's stats over this year, like our XG was pretty much bang on for the amount of goals we scored. So we didn't... And last year, we had a really bad year in terms of missing chances and that really cost us. Because this year, our finishing has been pretty much bang on. Um, so the strikes we have have scored when they've got chances, but... It is the creating chances that is Mill's really big yeah. problem. We yeah. we we really struggle to create anything in a lot of games, even if we have the ball in and around the box. And you could put a world class striker in that, and they would struggle. So well, if, if the cross is not beating the first man, as we saw, we won't yeah, name well, names, cross, but we all know. They, yeah, you know. but th- th- I think the, the issue is as well with that is it's not just crosses that get goals; it's it's through balls. I think Mill will have. I think this season played like the least through balls in the final third. So, you know, the, the classic sliding a player through and they would go through run one-on-one. How many, I mean, if you if you can stretch back over the season, how many one-on-ones do you remember Millwall having this season? Long one. Scoring this season. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, it's a lot of a lot of things like that that Millwall really struggled to do. And I think rebuilding the midfield is a big part of that. I mean, it might be hard this summer to do because of COVID and because of the short time, but really... In, in, the, in the way that we're obviously looking to bring in strikers. So I think that could well spell the end for the likes of maybe Bod Barson and Bradshaw, maybe Smith as well, because he's, he's getting on a bit. Yeah. But I think the midfield really, Woods coming in is is great, but he's much a deeper player. I think Tomo, I don't think he was ever quite fully fit when he became back. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Rowett uses him. Big season, season for Ben. Big season yeah, for Ben. Yeah, this, you know, this year was his big year, but the injury really hampered that. And, 
you know, some kind of murmurings that Rowett doesn't quite fancy him. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy too much into that. I think that's it's more just his injury because mm. um, he obviously picked up a knock as we were coming back in from lockdown. So I think that if you look at the likes of maybe Williams, who's getting on, yeah, um, I think Leonard time. will. Yeah. Leonard, despite the outlay we paid on him, he'll probably have to go because he just doesn't do anything like he it's one of those I think especially since we've changed from Harris he's great to be in the midfield and win balls and win tackles in a 4-4-2 but when he's asked to push further forward as he has done okay he got the screamer at hole but he really he doesn't he can't unlock defences he can't he doesn't no. drive into the box as much it's quality it Ryan isn't it it's, I mean you know yeah. the, the players we've spoken about I mean, touching back on, on, on Troy Parrott for example but also Ryan Woods these are these are good quality players, you know, and you have to then look at the rest of the squad and think, well, are they in that category or, or not? Not every player yeah. can be, but so what else do you bring? But I'm thinking of poor old Ryan Leonard and, you know, um, other players around the squad and you start to, they start to look a little bit paler by comparison, don't they? Yeah, and it's a big ask, I think, for the likes of Billy Mitchell to come in and really make that role his own. I think he will play a bigger part next season. Yeah, I um, do, yeah. But I don't know if that will be, you know, being our main attacking midfielder. I think it's hard for, and this is obviously where, where Jed Wallace tails off because he's got so much attacking burden on him. I think having that player who can kind of create things from the edge of the box in the middle of the park is something that Mill will just lack. I mean, we've never really had to use one. It's not, it's not a surprise that we lack one. It's not a, again, it's not, it's not really a, a knock on any of the players we have in the squad. It's just never been built that way. So I think, I think we really need to find someone who can operate kind of just behind the striker and create chances and get higher up the pitch. I think Woods is very much a deeper player. Um, if if, if Rowley wants to start putting him a bit higher forward, that'd be interesting. But I think he's very much a deeper player. But obviously the striker is somewhere we need to look. Um, and we are, clearly. Um, midfield, I think, is a big big shout for yeah. what we need. I think left wing, again, maybe because, uh, like you say, the Bennett deal, I think Derby actually extended his deal. I think they had a clause to extend it. So now Mill would potentially, I think we agreed a fee, but I think it's his injury concerns, the fact that he obviously ended the season. It does injured. seem very fragile, Ryan, doesn't That's it? That's the thing, and that is a, it's, it's a big gamble then if you're, if you're a player who, in half a season alone with us, picked yeah. up four injuries. I mean, I love, I love what I see when he's fit, but um, he's not fit that fit. often, is he? No, you know, that's, that's, that's the, the problem. problem. Or hasn't been. And then I think other than obviously the, the restructuring of our midfield and attack, which I think may take a couple of seasons, I think if we have the budget for it, we will really need, we need another centre-back, I think desperately. Um, Alex Pierce is getting on. He's still right in the middle of the back three, but, you know, you saw a number of occasions where Hutchison picked up an injury yeah. and Cooper's very consistent. But if, if one of our centre-backs is injured, we have to go to a back four. And yeah. especially on the road, that, that is a problem. Um, I think Rowett probably will persist with the back five at least away from home next season probably need a left back as well I know Shane Ferguson did well um, and Murray Wallace has done well in the season but again we, we don't actually have a natural left back no we don't back no. in the squad no. No. which it's just one of these things and I think a big a big part of that is the five subs rule for next year which will be you know a bigger squad Millwall's squad is very small and I think we saw after football came back from lockdown um, Gary Rowett turning to the bench and not really trusting anyone to come on and make the impact he needed. Yeah, and that that's a concern when you're going to have teams with big wage bills um, who Deep, have deeper squads. Yeah, you have a couple of players on their bench who would do a job for Millwall. So 
it's 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 difficult where you're just going to need that one extra player in kind of every position. And I think centre back is definitely one. There's there's a good there's a few good centre backs floating around for free that I think we all could pick up. Um, a couple of left backs as well that I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, obviously we've got Junior Tienza coming through. He was on yeah. the bench for the last game, but whether or not that means he'll break through to the squad. Rao, it did mention, I think, in our news at Denpeace last week about the reason he gave the young players chances towards the end because he can see them playing a bigger part of next season. Because if, Mill, you know, if we don't have a massive wage bill, we can't afford to have 15 first-team players on the books because we just we, we cannot afford it financially. So maybe it will be a matter of turning some of the young players, Hayden Muller and Julia Tienza, and looking at them to, to fill in when they need to. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be nice to see some of our youngsters actually break into the first team, if not rely on them. Certainly, start to play. You know, a, a, a proportion of games next season. I think that's 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 that will be wonderful. Yeah, um, and I think game time is the test for for young players. You know, that's the. I think over the last few years, we've had a, a few good young players who are, are coming through, getting to the top of the under twenty threes, maybe making it onto the bench, <laughs> and then getting released or, or getting moved on. And that, that's, I mean, you know, I think Millwall fans would like to see them just given a go and just, and obviously that is a big risk in the championship, especially if you're going for promotion or you're trying to stay up. It's a big risk to do that. But it is, it is. It, um, it may be a risk that pays off, you never know. But then our mindset as a club is it's an interesting time in a way because we started this season, just finished, I think, with a squad designed to achieve 18th or 17th position and survive in the championship. And we may or may not have done that. Um, now we leave it with a, with, a, with a mindset generally where we are thinking about a playoff push next season. It's a very different approach. The kind of players we're talking about, you know, the quality end of the, of, of the market is, 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 has a different vibe entirely to where we might have thought ourselves at the, you know, back in August, 2019. So, um, yeah, as, as I said, real real buzz about the place at yeah. the moment. I'm excited to see this new season. Really big buzz. I think again, Brower is. You know, I've said this a number of times through the season. He's a really good manager, and I'm still kind of not surprised that they all have him. But you think back two years ago, and he was the next big thing in in English management. He was, he was yeah. really getting touted for um, Premier League jobs. You know, and I know, you know, I know Sky and pundits they pay no attention to the Championship until they hear a rumor. And then all of a sudden, this person in the championship is the best thing since sliced bread. But he is, I think you can see his, his quality that he's done with Mill. And I think he, with backing, I think he wouldn't have come into the club if the club weren't going to back him. Obviously, the, the lockdown, the pandemic has changed what, to what extent they can back him. But he will be on a, a decent wage as a manager, probably more than a lot of Mill managers have been paid in the recent in you know, recent, recent years, yeah, and I, that would have come with a backing. And if you know, if he's gone in and said, "Look, I will promise you, within three years, we'll be challenging for the playoffs," and within one year, he's doing that, the, the club will go right. Well, we 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 should back you. We need to back you because you're delivering, and that's only a fair reward. And I think it is exciting. And I think I, I really trust Rowett. With I know he's obviously only had half a season with us, but the two players he's brought in. Obviously, Bennett with his injuries, but well, like yeah. you said, when he was on the pitch, he was quality. Yeah, absolutely. And, and absolutely. Brian Woods again, a player that Millwall just wouldn't have had before. Who is a he is a top half, if not a playoff level um, midfielder. 
and I, I really I really trust Rowett with the players he's identifying and the players he's being in bringing in. So I think with a obviously he doesn't have a full summer, which again is a shame because I think given a full summer um, and preseason he could do some really good work with the squad. But with even with this mini one, they had obviously the break. Um, I, I'd be really interested to see who he brings in, and I would really I'd really trust everyone he brings in to deliver. I think. I'm just checking the the Millwall FC Twitter feed in the hope that Troy Parrott yeah. <laughs> may have been confirmed whilst we we're speaking. It hasn't. I keep looking at their our next subject, Aidan O'Brien, who is left to go to um, Sunderland. Um, which and I wish Aidan well, but I want to see Troy Parrott's face there, please, Millwall FC at Millwall FC. Um, Aidan O'Brien. A great servant for Millwall Football Club, and a lot of nice messages flying around on on social media, Ryan, to wish him well. And I thought quite a good move for him as well. So, you know, we were talking about Gillingham and Wickham, weren't we, on a previous show? And um, Sunderland, I think, is a big club. That's a big name, and that's a good a good placement for him. And he's done well to get there. Yeah, I think it's a really good. So, I think when when it announced that he was leaving, and now that it's announced. Um, that he's obviously signed Sunderland. He got a lot of well wishes from Millwall fans. And I think that does speak to there's the I mean the years he's given to the club. I still think it's such a such a shame for him that he won't get a testimonial or hasn't got a testimonial at Millwall yeah. because of, you know, he was due one. He he was at the club for 10 years, I think from the age of I think from the age of 10 years. Yeah, yeah. He was he was at the club for such a long time and he what I find interesting, I mean, you know, he's, he's almost like a mini Harry Kane in the sense that as a youth player, he was not very good. I, he went on loan to Torquay. My friend's a big Torquay fan. He went on loan there when he was okay. 20, 21. And my friend said, he is the worst player I've ever seen in football. <laughs> um, and this is a Torquay side, don't you know? They've been in the conference. They've been in Torquay, that's a big thing. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and and... I, I wasn't surprised because I, you know, I'd seen him in a couple of youth games and things, and he didn't look great. But he has worked so hard to really. I mean, that that season, or the two seasons we got to the playoffs in League One, the 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 triumvirate of him, Morrison, and Gregory really playing a fast and loose front three, you know, all roaming and mixing and getting goals was, you know, the the big thing was Morrison and Gregory getting twenty goals each and all these goal contributions. But O'Brien was a massive part of that. And I think, Absolutely. like you say, Sunderland, I think the Gillingham rumour was one tweet that got out of hand. But Sunderland's a big club for him. I think he, he would demand a decent wage, probably a championship wage. To, you know, he's an Ireland international. I think he was the only Ireland striker to score last season um, under, who was it, under Michael O'Neill when they were just knocking it long. Um, yeah. he, 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 he demands a big wage. So I, know, I remember Aaron was saying, a move to Wickham might be hard because their, you know, their financial constraints, and he'd probably demand a bit more than that. So Sunderland can afford him, and I think for them, he's a player. I think he could have gone to a lower Championship side and maybe not had a massive impact, but done all right. But Sunderland, I think he'll be a key player. And I've had a few um, people that I know who are Sunderland fans messaging me, you know, trying to get the the lowdown on what he's like. And I think he will be. I think he'll be a success at Sunderland. I really think he will. I think he'll do well. He's a natural finisher. He's a natural goal scorer. There are areas of his game which I'm sure he's aware of himself and I'm sure he's been told it many times over, forcefully from the crowd, forcefully, I'm sure, from his managers over those years. But there are areas where he can improve, possibly. But you've got to look at the positive, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, he's only 26 now as well, just looking like he's, you know, he's he's entering his peak. He's not not past it at all. He's not someone out of favour. I mean, 
and it's a shame because he was. He, I think he would have got minutes during this uh, the lockdown, despite his contract not not um, being renewed. But he would have got minutes. I think it was just the fact that he was injured that he missed it. And I think again, that's a it's a great shame that he was, because I know obviously from the outpouring he's had on Twitter, I think a lot of Mill fans would have liked to say thank you to him and goodbye. You know, I think the Mill will put that that um, the montage up when he left of some yeah, of his goals yeah. he's got. Really big goals. The the you know the winner against he's Berry a big Way, goal scorer. Yeah, the winner against Berryway runs into the crowd, and uh, <laughs> it's brilliant. Like he just he is someone that he's he is a character, and he is someone that the fans had a great affinity to. You know, even for his ups and downs on the pitch. But um, yeah, best of luck to him. Absolutely. I mean, that, that Berry footage is possibly one of the most Millwall pieces of video you'll see anywhere, anytime, any place because it's just wonderful to see. 226 appearances for the Lions, uh, 20, 2011, 2010, 2011-12, he made his debut and leaves us obviously at the end of the 2019-20 season, uh, 44 goals over that period, Aidan O'Brien. Thank you very much, Aidan. Um, I think that's the way I want to leave that. Um, I put a, a, a snarky little bit here for us to, are you still here, Jury Skellack and <laughs> Jason McCarthy? There are, I mean, McCarthy, um, you know, I would imagine there will be interest, possibly back at Wickham. I don't know. Um, he's one of those odd players. I think we, you mentioned on online the other night, Ryan, that he's he's been an odd signing, Jason McCarthy. He's, um, you know, barely made any indentation at the den at all, and would have yeah. probably been signed as rival for Romeo, Marlon Romeo, if he needed it. Yeah, it's it's an odd one. I know. I I, I put that out the other day when um, I think the news at Den were were basically saying he's on his way out which, you know, everyone would expect. He must be. He but must be. It's, a, it's such an interesting, it's an odd one because, like, yeah, like I said in that, that tweet where you, you imagine he was brought in to challenge Romeo, but he played one league game. He played that game against, um, at home against QPR as a wing-back. Played a couple in the Carabao Cup and um, in the FA Cup. And it's just, like, you know, if he was brought in to contest Romeo, I mean, he obviously never got close to it. And I think someone someone suggested that Maybe it was just a matter of getting something out of the Fred deal as like a swap deal, which, yeah, fair enough. Give it a go with maybe taking a player who's preferred. But, you know, Rowett's come in and immediately James Brown was number two. He's played yeah. really Mitchell. Yeah, he's not now. even had a sniff, has he? No. He, well, he didn't even come back to train with the squad um, after lockdown. So, yeah. He's, but, he's obviously just not in the reckoning at all. I guess Rowett just thinks he isn't good enough. Obviously, he was back at Lona Wickham and they couldn't keep hold of him because they just couldn't afford him. No. Um, yeah, it's a really odd one. It's a really odd... I, I can't think of many players who... Well, they're probably have to go back, but players in recent times that we've signed who have just made as little an impact who... No. ...just haven't seen. Just not... Not not through, not through in terms of a Skalak who has played and not made an impact, but in terms of just not... You wouldn't even remember him being there. You wouldn't, you know, no, in next no. year you'll be it'll be a quiz question in two or three years. Who was the right back? Yeah, who, who was that guy, Jason McCarthy? That's right. So it, yeah, it's an interesting one. I imagine he'll go back to League One. Wickham maybe again, but if they're coming up, you know, if 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 they don't if they fancy him as a championship player, then why not? But I mean, best of luck to him. He's obviously not done anything to earn the disdain of any Millwall fans, but just a just an odd signing. You're listening to Act on Millwall. Hello, it's Glenn again. We'll try again. Uh, I think 
we flattered to deceive really in getting into the playoffs and um had we have made it I think I think we would have been fodder really for the other teams who were clearly uh, much better set up for a, a campaign in, in going into the Premier League. However, it's got to be said, Rowett's got a lot out of this squad that, that was previously failing uh, under Neil Harris. And he's brought in some interesting players like Woods and Bennett, who, who are definitely improving the quality of the first team and not just the squad. So I think, all in all, this season has ended, I think, better than expected. And um, I hope that a few, you know, sensible signings in the summer, nothing too extravagant, but, you know, just adding some quality in those, in those important areas. Um, we've got to do something about our clinical finishing. It's just not good enough at the moment. And um, I, I've got to say there have been times when the supply hasn't been great either. But uh, we need better options, and I'm just not sure Bradshaw and Smith are, are those options. Anyway, all the best. Here's to next season. Come on, you lines. You're listening to Achtel Normal. And Jury's still here. He made a great, scored a great goal <laughs> against Huddersfield. To, uh, it all I, I starts now, Nick. It all starts <laughs> now. <laughs> um, we get 20 if we had a few more games. Oh, I mean, again, no, no, no whispers, no word. I mean, I think he's on a long, his contract leave, certainly covers next season, I believe. So, um, unless we can punt him out to somebody, um, loan him out or something of that kind, I guess, then he's, he's going to stay with us. But, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. The jury Scalic. Jury Scalic has a kind of um, a faint obsessive quality for me. He's becoming this kind of, um, you know, figure of my, uh, haunts my imagination. Um, I'm sure we'll see him again <laughs> in September when yeah, the season starts out on the bench. <laughs> yeah, it's strange that um, the Jury Scalic one is very strange, you know, problems with injuries and everything and problems with fitness. But, you know, he is a high earner. I think he's probably Millwall's highest earner. Um and that, he is. Um, well, um, yeah, maybe maybe some of the contracts we signed this season have, have changed that, but when he brought in, he certainly was. And that just seems more and more, as every game goes past, just an awful, awful piece of business for Mill that is draining us. And it's he's not he's not going to play for Mill. Like, I think you, you can look in the running. I mean, I think the last few games, obviously he came off the bench in the last game, but the few games before that, when it was crunch time, he wasn't even in the squad. No. And it really... Oh, Rao obviously doesn't fancy him. He, he's. I know you were saying about how he hasn't been a moment's trouble. No, which is not necessarily what you want. But you don't. We don't want to. I can understand Rowitz, um Rowitz kind of messaging that in terms of he's not sinking out of the place. You know, I, I know you. You guys are like you know you want him knocking on the door, but at least well, he's not sinking out of the place and. Really yeah, no, he's, he's not making a nuisance of himself. I, I get. Yeah, that. so it's, it's both sides of that. But I think you know, yeah, finding a transfer for him will be. Really difficult. I think I don't know who would, t- especially on the wages he has, who would take him. You know, we need, we need some really creative video uh, boy to get that goal that he scored, which was actually it would really frustrate me if I was manager. It's a good finish, yeah. To look at that take and turn and finish. That was yeah. that was that was a top draw. I mean, I was, you know Huddersfield's defence. You can talk about how switched on they were. But still, you still got to do the job. And you know, he's played in the places he's played at and for the teams he's played for. And it would really, really niggle me, Ryan, yeah. to, to look on well, and see that and know that he can do that. I just wonder if it will be a matter of a, a mutually terminated contract. To By mutual agreement, yeah. Yeah, that might cost me all a bit. But, I mean, if they sit him down this summer and say, look, the Euros are coming up. I think that was his, his big thing during this summer when <laughs> there was a lot of messages coming out about being fit and getting back and really doing well. 
was because he wanted a place in the the Czech Republic the squad, Czech national which, team. Yeah, yeah, and you know, playing for a, a decent level championship side. If he was playing well, that'd probably get him in it. But if Mill will go, look, you're not you're not going to get games here at all. You've got a season to do some sort of like you know make some sort of impression to get yourself in that squad. Then, um, then maybe best for you to move on. But you know, he, he doesn't strike me as someone who has no drive or ambition as a football player. He doesn't he doesn't strike me as someone who is just happy to sit back and take the money a la Jack Rodwell. Mm. So maybe maybe a conversation, a frank conversation with the management and the, the directors about his future. Because I mean he must be he's getting on a bit now. I think he's late late twenties, is he? Yeah. yeah. I imagine he's 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 twenty-eight now. He'll be twenty-nine by the end of last season. So you know he's got he's got one one season well one or two big contracts maybe one contract left in him yeah. and whether or not that's in England maybe it's back home in the Czech Republic or somewhere else on the continent you never know but it's, the sooner we can get rid of him really the better just to free up some money just to free up some wages and uh, so that we can bring you know you can bring two decent championship players in for that money I think especially in this climate we shall see um, story on the news at Dan just to um, close out and Millwall um, section and on goalkeeping backup. I mean, obviously, Bart Bielkowski, player of the season, rightly so, for the 2019 uh, 20 campaign. Um, Luke Steele, um, who has been our, our, our backup keeper for the bulk of uh, the, certainly the second half of the season, seems to want to go back to the East Midlands. I think his family's from there, he wants to play for a club based nearer to home, and you can't blame his 35. He wants to you know, start to think about the next phase of his life, I guess. Frank Fielding's an interesting um, case, Ryan, because um, I, 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 it's an intriguing line in this report. It's on the News at Den listeners, so do have a read of it. Um, Frank Fielding um, signed initially as our, as our lead goalkeeper, of course, with Bart as, as, as um, second string. Um, so Lions boss Rowett hasn't ruled out Frank Fielding challenging Bielkowski for the first choice goalkeeper shirt next season. Um, he says, Frank's challenge has been through no fault of his own, just staying fit. If he can stay fit and get a run of training and games, then he'll be one of our keepers. It's, it's not exactly a ringing endorsement, is it? It's, it's, um, it's kind of saying nothing and yet saying, you know, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not fit. What if he's not fit after this length of time? When will he ever be fit? It might be... Might be never, mind that. Yeah, it's an interesting one for, for Frank. Obviously, you know, yeah, he did start as first choice, but I don't think that was ever long term plan. I think that was a matter of just because um, Bielkowski was signed. I think two days before the start of the season. Mm. Um, but you know, it, it's hard now for. I think I think it'd be better if he moves on. It's it's hard for Frank because, yeah, like Raul says, through no fault of his own. I mean, tearing his hamstring while kicking the the ball 40 minutes into season debut is it's not great it's a freak injury but it's also not a great sign and then to I think they break his arm or that that injured his arm straight after coming back from from um injury is not it's not great uh again we talk about players who don't have an impact you know it's a really big shame for well you get that tag injury prone you know like the injury prone Frank the thing, the problem, I think the problem with Frank Fielding, and this is why I thought it was an odd signing anyway. I can understand it from Millwall because, you know, the, the Bart one was maybe taking longer than um, they were anticipating. So that they, they needed a, a decent championship level keeper to come in on a free and just get into the club. But he's 32. 
Um, and he's, I mean, when he left Bristol City, I know Bristol City fans were very happy to get rid of him. Yeah. He's, he's not necessarily a world beater as a keeper. He's not, and, and, you know, after the season that Bart had, he's not going to be a trouble him, obviously. is he? No. So I think Millwall maybe need to look for a younger option. Um, it's all, I know Luke Steele again, it's just about availability because they needed someone who's senior. I think Ryan Sanford, from from what I hear, I mean, we're chatting about him in the in the press box on the last game, and I don't think he's really ever going to trouble the middle first team. He's obviously right. you know you okay. have that you you have that youth goalkeeper who's the third choice who's around, but much like Tom King was, who eventually made it into the the first team for a couple games, but you know eventually was just released. Um, yeah. So I would like to see Mill go for a younger option, like an, an early twenties goalkeeper who. You know, because I think, but obviously, I'm not saying Bart's on the way down at all, clearly. But you know, he's he's 33, 34, maybe. Yeah, and, he, and you know, there's only one injury away from you know one injury away, or you know, yeah, exactly. He's he's a couple of years away, and I think planning ahead is always an important part of football. And whether or not that can be done this year, or whether or not that's just something that they can push a bit further down the line. But it's an interesting one for Fielding because I mean, again, it depends on wages he's on. If he was signed as first choice, then. You know, he might be on a, a, on a decent wage as well that you'd expect from a first choice goalkeeper. So, you know, it's, it's just sort of that. It's about the, that maneuvering that budget and and kind of, you know, fiddling it around a bit. I always find it interesting with a the second choice goalkeeper is always a really weird one to yeah. to go for. Do you go for just someone who is you like? Would Ryan Sanford just go on the bench because you know he's never going to play? Or does your goalkeeper get injured 43 minutes into the season and never play again? You know, that it's those sort of that obviously I think it's just standard now to have three options. But it's hard to as a signing in, you know, you're you're signing with effectively who was the best goalkeeper of the league last year, looking to bring someone in and say, Look, we need you on the bench in case the worst should happen to Bart. And it's it's a hard prospect. But I mean, Luke Steele gave a ringing endorsement. Obviously, he came back on loan after the injury but when he left I remember he, he did that tweet saying he's don't think he's been in many better dressing rooms throughout his career and for a 35 year old goalkeeper who didn't play a minute of football um, yeah that's quite that's something a really, that's a really strong endorsement about I mean I, I do feel Lorawa should have given him a half in the last game just as a little send off but uh, <laughs> you know it's, uh, it's an interesting one I think he'll be a watch this space but if he's fit coming into the season then I imagine he'll just he'll just be number two you're listening to Act on In other news, listeners, in other news, we speak on the morning after the second playoff semi-final. It's going to be a Brentford versus Fulham shootout for Premier League football, Ryan, 4th of August at, at Wembley. I'm not sure it matters where they play it particularly because it's going to be behind closed doors. But anyway, it's going to be playing at Wembley. Um, Brentford, I suppose, will be the... The, the kind of um, the Sky TV uh, chosen chosen ones, although they won't mind if Fulham get through. Is that I, I find both sides slightly, um, as, much, as beautiful as their football can be, certainly Brentford, I find I react against them slightly. I don't know how do you find both of these two teams. Do you like them or, uh, like me, do you find a little bit of sick coming up in the back of your mouth whenever um, you watch them? <laughs> I, I, like, I like Brentford. I was ruined for Cardiff yesterday purely because... Um, you know, I, I I like Neil Harris. I wish You're him, sentimental. I, yeah, I wish him well in his in his whole career as management. And I think to to you know, if he was to get Cardiff to a playoff final, that would have been a phenomenal job. But um, I also don't really like Fulham. 
But, um, <laughs> but no, I think I think I'd, I'd, I'd quite like Brentford. I think their their whole model and that you know it is like you say it is a story that Sky will just lap up. Like I was saying before about you know they get a whiff of the championship and all of a sudden they're all over it. I thought they they, they will be gushing and but luckily Leeds have taken a bit of an edge off that. But yeah, you know I I, I like Brentford. I like a lot of their players. I like and Bowman's been really good this season. Um, I have a good affinity to Ollie Watkins. I saw him come up when I was at Union Exeter for three years. He was he was there um, coming through as a 17-year-old and he was really impressive there. So to see him rise to the Premier League would be nice. Um, I, yeah, I think, I, think, I think Brentford will win it. I, don't I, I think if they play to their potential, they, they will win it. Yeah, they I, I think, I mean, if, if Mitch Rich is fit again for Fulham, then maybe that's a different story, but obviously he missed these two games. But I, I, I'd like to get your opinion on this, but I, I do not like Scott Parker at all. <laughs> I, 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 I tell you what, we were watching, I was watching the game yesterday. Why is this? Why is this? Why well, is this? I, I, was watching this? I was watching the game on my laptop yesterday and I said to my girlfriend, I was, I was sitting there, she was getting ready for bed and I was like, look, I, I don't like this guy. Something about him, <laughs> something about the way he looks and he, his, his bowed head and his weird stare. And I said, I said, look, before I show you a picture of him, I'm going to sum him up. And I summed him up by saying, he looks like someone who would try and shag your wife <laughs> with you in the same room. And I showed her and she immediately agreed. I don't know if any of the listeners agree with me on this, but well, just we need to know. We need to he know. Talks, he just, he strikes me as someone who you're at a family barbecue. Someone's brought a mate from work and you're over chatting to a mate and he's there putting the hours in on you. And he just goes, you're right, mate. And he looks at you up and down and he just carries on. It's just his face, his little twitches and things. They're really, really great on me. But uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't like Fulham as a club at the best of times. I think, I think they, you know, throwing a load of money at the Premier League and seeing them go down was great. Um, I don't think they play great football, you know, other than the, the Millwall 4-0 aside. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think Fulham really are very. I, I don't think they're very good, to be honest. I know we didn't really get results off them this season, but something about it. And yeah, Scott Parker in the Premier League. I can't be seeing him on Match of the Day every week. I think it would just give me the shivers before bed. I'm going to set up a new podcast, Ryan Loftus in treatment on the psychiatrist's couch. Visions of Ryan's imagination, fertile place, listeners, I like it. Cholton Athletic, 47 days to expulsion, says their own um, their own uh, supporters trust. There's a report on 853, which is like a local uh, Greenwich and Woolwich um, news site they are deep deep deeply in the shit ryan um <clears throat> i know there's a lot of people that um you know um the local rivalry means they want to see them <laughs> disappear without trades I, I, I take no pleasure in this this is a real mess and we're seeing too many clubs now around the football league charlton wigan um you know uh, barry have been expelled uh, we've seen the likes of coventry go through the the mill. I mean, it, it cannot be good for the game, which is a which is a nebulous concept at the best of times. And Millwall fans, especially, struggle with anything like this. I think because we like to think that no one likes us and we don't care. But I don't like to see clubs, you know, being used as playthings by by who knows who. Half of these 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 um, entities are that are controlling Charlton. They are certainly deeply in the shit though, because they really do have unless they get their act together by the start of the season, which is not very far away. Mm-hmm. Then the the berry solution beckons, doesn't it? It's it's, it's, it's grim, it's, grim times it's, of the valley. A, it's a really bad situation, and I think you know it's been going on for a couple of years now. I know 
Charlton fans were really weren't happy with Roland de Chatelet when he was there, and you know, rightly so. But it's mm. it's proved to be a matter of you know the devil you know sort of situation. I think you know that that forty seven days to expulsion headline really does hit home. I think the EFL put out a statement basically. I think the day before that that story came out, um, basically saying, look, we have tried to speak to Charlton on a number of occasions, and their owners are just not interested. And we are trying, I think Lee Bowie, I read today, is sitting down with them in the next two weeks, I think it said. Yeah. Which, why are you waiting two weeks to set a date? But the the 47 days to expulsion thing is really rings true because I was listening to um, the Price of Football podcast, like Football Finance one. Yeah, and yeah. They were, they were highlighting how this is very similar to Berry in terms of the stages. I think they said, you know, the club was sold for a pound um, by De Chatelet to... Um, ESI investments just to get rid of it, which is what happened with Berry. And it has then gone without kind of EFL kind of interference to a third owner, which obviously in Berry's case happened and was asset stripped. Yeah. Um, no proof of funds was ever given, which is again the same case at Charlton. Um, they just weren't playing ball with the, um, the EFL. It's one of those things that if this is Steve Day, uh, the um, at Barry, if he had bothered to sit down with the EFL, they could have saved the club, but he wasn't interested. And those parallels, especially, you know, one season after, uh, a club that really shouldn't be in financial trouble. For that, for that thing, for this to be happening with the exact same storyline and the exact same kind of issues, it's genuinely concerning. And I wouldn't wish it on any football fan to lose their club. I know um you know, I'm, I'm a, I think we're going to touch on them in a bit, but I'm, I'm a, a Dulwich Hamlet kind of like soft spot. I used to go there quite a lot of school or after school and, um, you know, I go there relatively regularly now. And I was, you know, going to a lot of the games when they were going through there, you know, whether or not they were going to exist yeah, because yeah, of a petulant yeah. owner. And to see what it can do to football fans and the joy when that obviously got overturned, these things mean so much. And I think, you, you know, you go to Charlton and it's a, the Valley's a big... It's a big thing there. It's it's you know the big stadium there that you know sits kind of in the middle of Charlton, right by the station. They have a good history. They've been in the Premier League. You know they've got a good fan, but well, a good fan base. They've got a fan base, and um, it's it's it, this is awful for somebody to be like this to be happening. And you know I think with this and with Wigan, you know there's got to be a reckoning soon. I know it gets said quite often, but with Berry last year, Bolton, who I mean. You can be real as much as you want about it, but Bolton last year shouldn't have folded and gone out of business. But the EFL broke their own rules because they couldn't have two clubs disappearing in the same area in the it same season. Doesn't look good. No, I agree. So for it to happen again this season with with the Wigan situation, okay, Wigan should get saved because they have a lot of interested buyers. But for, for it to happen to Charlton, if if they were to go and just off the face of the earth and have to rise again, that it'd just be awful. It'd just be awful and it really speaks to the state of the game where this is happening every season now. This story it's, it's is abysmal. Um, I mean, the story I've highlighted on our show notes series, a leader of Greenwich Council um, saying that the club um, must remain in the borough. But I mean, in a nutshell, what, what he's saying to any prospective new owner is that the Valley is not available for redevelopment which will be you know i think that was half the um reason for the the the, uh the guy daily up at berry acquiring the the land you know um at at, uh, gig lane and and there's you know fears that charlton's ground would be redeveloped when they 
move to some alternative site somewhere else in the in the Greenwich Peninsula. Um, and he's saying that that's you know that that's that's not on. I, I I do think the only caveat I'd say to any Charlton, I don't know if we're getting Charlton listeners, we might do. Um, is not to trust local politicians too far because they tend to um, say what people think they want to hear and then money talks at a later date. So um, it will be, I, I think it's in the interest of the game for our great clubs to survive. Um, I wish Barry had survived. I hope that Charlton survive this and, you know, at some point soon they can climb back to... Uh, us in the Premier League and give us our six points a season that we, we demand of them um, because you know it's you, you need you need in all seriousness you need you need a, a variety of clubs it's it's the the 92 club English Football League is a thing of beauty and we take it for granted too lightly in this country in my opinion mm. um, just touching on Dan, uh, uh, the Damnit D- Dulwich Hamlet um, they, they're revamping their stadium I see there Ryan it's, it was that's a relatively new stadium. I remember the old Dog Kennel Hill ground and they, they, they moved to, it's been a long while since I've been to Dulwich, but they moved to a, a newer ground at the side of a Sainsbury's there, if I recall. And this is now going to be a revamped version of that. Yeah, so this is, you know, this was the, the issues that they've had over the last couple of years with their, um, well, their owners, I guess, their former owners. Um, that, 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 They've had to basically had to put this planning commission in, otherwise the club would have folded. Mm. Basically, the I think it all started with that the owner wanted to. I think they they it was an American investment company, and they right. put the money in and took over the club. With the, there's obviously a lot of space for those who know where the ground is. Yeah, next to that um, Saint Bridges and Dockenham Hill, yeah, Champion yeah. Hill. Yeah, um, lot of space behind and around the ground that is ripe for redevelopment. Okay, and the owners came in and bought the club in term in hopes that they would be able to develop the area around it and some of the ground into new housing. Their initial plans were rejected by Southwark Council because they didn't meet um, the affordable homes plans that Southwark had in place in terms of the number of affordable homes they wanted to build big, there were big luxury apartments that no one in the borough could rightly afford, which is obviously, I think there's a, a quota you have to meet 30% or whatever have to, of um, new builds have to obviously meet an affordable living standard. Hmm. and they wouldn't do that and they got their planning rejected and so threw their toys out the pram and said right if we can't have our flats you can't have your football club and closed the doors on Dulwich Hamlet and said you're not allowed entry into Champion Hill anymore which led for a year or so yeah they were, they were they strange to, weren't they yeah. they had to play at two in a Mitchum which you know is their local rivals but it's not close yeah by any means um and it's a really uncertain future of they wouldn't. I think I spoke to the, the club chairman when, when you go down there. It's a, it's a really nice place to go down um, and watch football. But I spoke to the club chairman and, um, when they were there and said the club were two or three hours um, with, with, uh, within two or three hours of folding, where they, they were living hand-to-mouth of gate receipts and donations fans were giving because much like we and the owners just weren't putting in any money. Yeah. Um, once they got back into Champion Hill and yeah, on, on numerous occasions nearly folded. So Dulwich have um, partnered with a new investment, um, found a new kind of investment company who are looking to develop the land and teamed up with them um, to build these new um, stadium and build the flats around it. And it's been going through the Southwark Council for about six months now. They had to go to, a, I think there was a public forum on it um, where there was a lot of vocal support from Dulwich Hamlet fans um, a lot of petitions and forms that needed to be signed to show the support 
and to finally get it approved for a club that a year, two years ago, nearly folded and nearly just got wiped off the earth because of a petulant American businessman. Um, it's a massive step. And I, you know, I, I'm not, I haven't seen the plans fully. I don't know the scale of the redevelopment, but you know, Dulwich Hamlet for the level they're at, the, the, the conference south, you know, on, on Sundays, you know, they average probably about two or 1,500, 2,000 fans. And that, yeah. that level is, it's unbelievable the support they get. I had a quick and, look at the, um, on the website, sorry, interrupting. There was, there was, um, kind of an artist's impression. It looks like they're rotating the, the, the pitch a bit like Bournemouth did this when they redeveloped Dean Court. They're going to rotate it sideways. They're going to build a bigger stand, which I think from memory said it would hold, um, 4,000 as a main stand with um, low-level terracing around the sides because it would be quite tightly in the corner of the current uh, Dulwich site. And then I think what is now a car park or a series of car parks looks like they're going to have um, a block of five or six flats built on it. So I, go, I guess that's where the money will be made that enables the rest of it to take place. Um, yeah. But as you say, you know, I mean, good, good luck to Dulwich Hamlet. This is a historic club name, has been around since... Millwall began in the 1880s, 1890s. Dulwich Hamlet is a, is a name club, and it's to all of our benefit that these, these, these kinds of clubs, and I include others, you know, we've mentioned Charlton, but other, other clubs around the, the football world continue and, and thrive. I think we all have a common interest, despite the day-by-day, um, you know, uh, windy, windy seas of, of, of local loyalties. Um, I just want to close out on another club, actually, because um, you're, you're covering the Mill Lionesses this season now for us, Ryan, with the uh, podcast. Let's do tune in, listeners. It's well worth a listen. Ryan's uh, and, and Michael's Mill Lionesses pod that we're going to put out. Um, great podcast, mate, the other night. Well worth a listen. I, I'd recommend anyone that's interested in Mill Football Club and its associated branches and arms to so have, have a listen. You're looking forward to the season with the Lionesses? Yeah, cheers, Nick. It was a really enjoyable to do the, the first pod with um, with Nick Farrell, who's the the head of recruitment and assistant manager at the Lionesses. They've got a new management team in, um, Nick and Katie Whitmore, who's coming as first team manager. But no, really looking forward to to it. Um, started kind of going down last season, getting involved. Obviously, they've gone through a big restart in yeah. terms of going yeah. down to the the seventh tier after losing their license or having their license given to London City Lionesses now to play in the women's championship. So it's, you know, it's, they're, they're building back up. Their aim is to get back to the national level within two to three seasons, two or four seasons. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, I think for Millwall fans, it's a nice community aspect. There's a plenty of Millwall fans playing there, Millwall fans running it, um, and a really nice atmosphere playing down at St. Paul's. I think their pre-season starts next weekend. Um, but yeah, really looking forward to, get involved hopefully bringing you know we've got we've got a player interview lined up um i think we're going to be speaking to katie the manager as well soon and yeah hopefully through the season there'll be a, a sort of akin to what we do here with match reviews hopefully be able to get some of the players on um yeah. post-match stuff so yeah i'm really excited to see what we can do with it and uh hopefully drum up a bit of a buzz around the lionesses and i know you're um you know planning to be involved as well to an extent yeah, this is how good the show was, listeners. It's actually moved me to think about going to a Mill Lionesses match. That's that, that's that's the power of podcasting, the power of Ryan Loftus's show. Um, no, but in all seriousness, no, it's just an area of, of, of the club I'd never really followed. But um, listening to the interview with Nick Farrell and the presentation that uh, Ryan and, and, and Michael made, 
it made me think, and actually there's a lot that goes on at the Mill line. This is, it does a hell of a lot of good. It's got the name Mill attached to it and more power to its elbow. So if we can help or support the club, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's mm. what, that's why we do this, this show now. So, um, well, that, well done, chaps. We're gonna. We, I'll certainly try and get along to to some of the games as as the season unfolds. Yeah, if there's ever a free Sunday, a Mill Mill or away at at Borough, and no one can go, and it's a cold Tuesday, you know that you've always got the Lionesses on a Sunday at home. Who you can uh, more likely than not, they will they will deliver a spanking. So if we've just been spanked ourselves <laughs> in the men's game, go go down to St Paul's on a Sunday to lift your spirits. That's going to get a lot of interest on the podcast. <laughs> Um, playing out of Fisher, which again is another another football club, the new Fisher ground on the old, the other side of the road to the old one at, uh, at Rubber Hive. There, so we'll be following the Mill line. This is this season, Lachdong. We've reached the end of our agenda. I, I did say when I suggested doing a quick twenty minute or so update for listeners that um, you know that, that would be a good idea. We, I think we must have done about an hour's worth of, of content here, but I hope you've enjoyed our update. Um, we'll see what the next week brings forth Ryan Loftus. Thank you for giving up your time this Friday morning, mate. Much appreciated. No problem, Nick. Still no news on Troy Parrott on the Millwall website. So we will sit with bated breath and fingers crossed. Incidentally, um, before I say goodbye, I've got to say well done to some of the Parrot puns that are doing the rounds. I've loved Very good. Yeah. Um, but my favourite one, I'll, I'll close the show with, um, I think it was JR. Um, I've lost it, but it's, it's, it, I think you have to put on a parrot voice and say um, Troy Parrot would be a very good acquisition for Millwall. Troy Parrot would be a very good acquisition for Millwall. They're in a parrot voice, so I can't do a parrot voice. So there we are. <laughs> Thank you for listening, dear listeners. Thank you, Ryan. Cheers, mate. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 